Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Well, it's not very often I get uh, the privilege of introducing my wife to speak. Somebody asked me today, they said, why did you wear a suit today? Because I don't usually wear suits to church. I used to wear them all the time until God set me free, amen? But, <laughs> but, but I said, I'm wearing a suit today. The truth is, I'm doing a wedding after church. But the, I told them, I said, because I get to introduce my wife today. And nothing less than a suit is worthy of her, amen? But she, she is, uh, she's awesome. We, she did a great job in the first service. And it really is a rare treat. So if you're here today, you picked a great Sunday to come. And uh, I'll be speaking next Sunday for Easter. If you're a guest, we'd love for you to come back and join us next week. But why don't we welcome the first lady of this house, our wonderful Robin Thompson. Amen. Thank you so much. Many of you gave me uh, well wishes last week for my birthday and some gifts and beautiful cards. And thank you so much. I have enjoyed going through that this week. And I felt so loved. You just showered so many um, nice words. And, and I'm, I'm thankful. I'm thankful to be here today to speak to you. I, I, the girls just set up perfectly. Their song was so beautiful. Um, got me all emotional, which really isn't that hard to do. But So I've got my hanky. I'm ready. Today on this wonderful Palm Sunday, it is an opportunity for us to have a fresh start and a new beginning. Jesus finished a mighty work at Calvary, and he did something no one else could do, and he bought my salvation with his blood. So today we celebrate that. If you have your Bibles, we're going to look at our scripture this morning, 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. You can also follow along on the screen. It reads, therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Praise God. Thank you, Lord, for your word. His word is powerful, and it always goes forth like Lisa was saying. It always gives a good return. Amen. Why don't we, before we just delve in, why don't we just open our hands to the Lord Lord, our hands and our hearts are open to receive your powerful word today. As it goes forth, I ask, Lord, that the hearers would be receptive to what your voice is saying, that our hearts would be good ground for the seed of your word to take root in, that it might return not void but bring a bountiful harvest. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well... I want to have a fresh start on this Palm Sunday, and um, I have a, a picture for you, if you can put up on the screen. This is a picture of a flower that, I don't know if you can see that, a little pink flower. This week, we pulled up into our house, and it was dark, and the headlights shined into the woods, 
And I, I saw that, and but I couldn't tell what it was. I said, is that a flower or is that a flag or what is that? Well, the next day we went out there and checked it out, and it was a flower. And what happened is someone had given me this beautiful plant, and I thought I killed it. And my husband thought I did too, so he took it and he threw it out into the woods. And we forgot about it. And then winter came, and then spring came. And lo and behold, it wasn't dead. It blossomed. <laughs> it still had life in it. So that, that um, flower has inspired both of us so much. So we're just telling you today, no matter who declared you dead and threw you away, you can blossom into new life. Amen. First, I want to look at our, the very first Passover. Um, this was when the Jewish nation came out of bondage from the land of Exod uh, e Egypt. It's in the book of Exodus. The Passover, it's a Jewish holiday that celebrates this freedom. It lasts for about eight days. And at sundown on the very first day of the Passover, the Jews have a meal, and they call it a Seder. And they retell the story of the deliverance of the Israelites from the land of Egypt. If you were a practicing Jew, you would have done that last night at sundown. Over 3,000 years ago, the Israelites were serving as slaves in Egypt. God saw his people's distress. He sends Moses to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. I'm just going to give a, um, a quick overview of that story because it's really important um, it was the first Passover, and so it's important to understand where this tradition began and what it means. <clears throat> Despite numerous warnings, Pharaoh says, no, not going to do it, so God sends ten plagues to the land. I, I thought about, you know, I've heard the word plague more this year than I have ever in my whole life <laughs> with COVID. I've heard people call it a plague. Well, with what we've experienced I would not want to be the Egyptian people that went through 10 plagues. The first one was their water was turned to blood. Then there was frogs all over the land. Then there was lice or gnats all over the land. Then there was flies. Then there was di diseased livestock. The sixth plague was boils. The seventh was hail. The eighth was locust. And the nine was a thick darkness covered the, their land even in the daytime. And the 10th plague was the worst of all. That was when all of the firstborn people were dead. They died as the death angel passed through the land. So finally, Pharaoh wakes up. He finds his firstborn born son dead. And he just says, finally, okay, you guys get out of here. I've had enough. You can go into the wilderness, worship your God, do whatever you want to do. Get out of our land. Take all the Jews with you. And that marked the very first Passover. We're going to read in Exodus chapter 12, verses 6 through 8, a little bit of what that looked like. Then the whole assembly of the community of Israel must slaughter their lamb or young goat at twilight. They are to take some of the blood and smear it on the sides and top of the door frames of the houses where they eat the animal. That same night, they must roast the meat over a fire and eat it along with bitter salad greens or bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Let's jump down to verses 11 through 13. These are your instructions for eating this meal. Be fully dressed. Stay ready. Wear your sandals. 
and carry your walking stick in your hand. We're getting ready for our deliverance. Eat the meal with urgency, for this is the Lord's Passover. On that night, I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son and firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. But the blood on your doorposts will serve as a sign marking the houses where you are staying. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And this plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. And that's exactly what happened. Moses tells the Jews when it's time to go, when Pharaoh says, finally says, go, come on, guys. Let's grab our bags and leave at once. Don't wait for your bread to rise. Grab it. Let's go. Get out of here. The Egyptian neighbors were so happy to see them go. Here, take our gold. Take extra changes of clothes. I want your journey to, to be good. So get on out of here before we all die. We want these plagues to stop. So they let the, left the land of Egypt with sacks on their back and faith in their hearts. Now, their journey took about 24 days from the land of Goshen till the time they reached the Red Sea. Guess what? During that time, Pharaoh starts rethinking what he's done. And he says, I want, I want to go get them. I don't know if he was going to kill them or bring them back. I don't know what his plans were. But he told his army to go after them. And that is when they find themselves at the Red Sea. Pharaoh's army behind them. The Red Sea before them. This was supposed to be their great deliverance, their fresh start, their new beginning. Now what were, were they going to do? God had a plan. He always does. He says in um, Exodus 14 and 13, And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. They're going to be gone. They're going to be wiped out. So Moses lifts his rod. The, the Red Sea is parted. The children of Israel walk across on dry ground. Most of you know this story. Pharaoh's army pursues and the sea comes crashing back down. And the Israelites... They are delivered from their bondage. That chapter of their history was closed. It's ended. It's time for a fresh start. They had lived in slavery for over 400 years. And now on this special day, on this Passover, they were free. It came to an end. The Red Sea in front, Pharaoh's army behind. But you know what? It was a dramatic ending to that chapter. They received a new identity. They were not slaves. They were free. Their future was different from their past. It included victory. It included freedom. It included new territory, the promised land that they were going to inhabit. It included divine protection. It included divine direction. God led them by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. There were battles ahead, though. They still had to fight to possess the land. There were uh, battles ahead, but they were going to be fought and won. The old life they had in Egypt would be forever gone, and they would never return. 
And that is a wonderful, victorious story. But here's what the children of Israel did. They started to fear again. They started looking back at their past. They started complaining and whining. Maybe it was better in Egypt. They began to complain and criticize their leader. Moses, what are you doing? You brought us into the wilderness to die. We need fresh water. We're sick of this manna. We want some meat. How are we going to be able to feed the giants? They're so big. We're so little. They just started sounding so pitiful. Whine, whine, whine. Complain, complain, complain. We didn't want to be treated like slaves, but at least we knew what to expect. I want my freedom, but you know what? At least I was surviving. I don't even know. Wine, wine. I've been a whiner before. I think we all have. They were resistant to change. They were weak in patience, and they did not trust God. And that led to serious consequences. Even when change is scary, we can't live in the past. We can't just keep reminiscing how good the good old days were. We can't just keep remembering what we left, how things used to be. I like to look back. I liked that. I like to look back sometimes, but we must choose. Okay, this is where I am today. I'm going to choose not to fear. I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm going to watch God perform miracles in my present and in my future. I'm going to believe him to do what he said he's going to do. If he was powerful enough to split the Red Sea, he's powerful enough to give me fresh water. If he was powerful enough to leave my enemies at the bottom of the sea, he's powerful enough to secure my future for me and my children. Complaining, it's a distraction. And it blocks you from receiving your promise. And the children of Israel learned this really well. A complaining generation is a dying generation. Don't lose sight of what God promised because I don't want you to miss out on the fresh start that he has for you. There's something ahead in your future. The complaining, the unbelief, the rebellion, it could not stop the plan of God. It still came to pass. The nation of Israel did possess the promised land just like God told them they would. The promise did come to pass, but they didn't all live to see it. So let's learn a lesson from them. Let's look ahead. Let's embrace the new beginning that God is offering for us today. His hand is out. His hand is open today. I feel a new season. I feel a shifting in, in my spirit. I feel a shifting in the church. There's going to be a wilderness, but it's part of the process. There's going to be battles to fight, but there is new territory that will be gained, and God's going to be there every step of the way. He said, I won't leave you comfortless. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's going to be with you through it all. So that was the very first Passover. And we're going to skip ahead. And we're going to look at the Passover that we're celebrating now. And that's the Passover that Jesus celebrated with his disciples before his death on the cross. Palm Sunday, that's today. And what 
a celebration Palm Sunday was for Jesus and the disciples back then. We're going to look at John 12, 12, and it talks about what happened when Jesus came to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. The next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. They shouted, praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the king of Israel. They're waving their palm branches and saying, Hosanna to the son of David. They were so excited that Jesus was coming. They thought he was going to be the deliverer to deliver them from the Roman rule. And they were ecstatic about it. Their faith was so high because Jesus, just later that week, had raised Lazarus from the dead. So here they're thinking, oh, my word, he's opened blind eyes, unstopped deaf ears, spoke to the wind and wave, multiplied the loaves and of fish and loaves of bread, and he, bre- he, a dead man, he rose him back to life. He raised him back to life. So they're just super excited about Jesus coming. They think this is it. They were right and they were wrong. He was the deliverer, but it didn't happen as they expected it to happen. He went to the cross. That's not the way they pictured their deliverance. It was a different way, but it was the way not just for them, not just for the Jewish nation, but for all of mankind forever. Jesus came he tells his disciples in Luke twenty-two fifteen. he says, I've been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. They didn't want to hear about suffering. They just wanted to sit down and have a good old meal and get all full and talk about the good old days and all how they're going to take over. He says, for I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. They weren't sure what he meant by that, but he was talking about being the final sacrifice, the final lamb, the blood, the blood of Jesus, that powerful blood, more powerful than the blood of goats and bulls and lambs that they had spread on their doorposts before. It was the final sacrifice. The death of Jesus was a fresh start for the entire world. He was the final sacrifice for our sins. And he ended the law, that era, that dispensation, and he opened the door for grace. I just want to tell somebody here today, you think it's the end. But it's only the beginning. The law, that final chapter, had to close so that grace could open, so that we could walk in new life and new understanding and new power. The dispensation of law lasted almost 1,500 years, beginning with the exodus and ending with the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Ten Commandments in the law outlined the standard of perfection that God had required from his people, but they repeatedly broke his commands. They wandered off after other gods. The law, the purpose of the law, it was given to show the people that they needed to depend on God, that they needed him to trust them to save them rather than trusting in themselves or trusting in their own goodness 
or trusting in their good works or trusting in other gods. The law was given to show them only God. And I always thought that, I don't know, I must have heard this wrong, but I always thought that God demanded perfection. And I tried real hard to give him that, but I kept failing. I could not give him perfection. As hard as I tried, I couldn't give him perfection. But he's never expected that. He never expected perfection from his people. If he did, he wouldn't have provided the sacrificial system as a way to say, yes, I have sinned, and here is a symbol of my need for forgiveness and atonement. The blood of bulls and goats couldn't take away that sin, for they were a symbol looking forward to the one whose blood could take away our sin. In Hebrews 10, 1 through 4, it says, The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year. But they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped. For the worshipers would have been purified once for all time, and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But Jesus had to come and be the final sacrifice. That dispensation of grace started with his sacrifice. It was the new covenant in his blood. And that's what happened at the Last Supper. Whenever he drank, um, they had their, their special dinner, and he said, drink from this cup. It is my blood. It's, it symbolizes a new covenant that I'm going to make in agreement confirmed with my blood. I'm going to pour out my sacrifice, my blood for you. Atonement was provided on the cross. It was a one-time deal. In Hebrews 10 and 10, it says, For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. I am so excited to stand here and tell you today that Passover is a powerful thing. It was powerful back then when they, they left the land of Egypt, and they every year they celebrated it, reminding their children what happened and how they were delivered from that bondage. But today we celebrate something far different. We celebrate our deliverance from sin and from bondage and from the old system of chains, and we are delivered through the power of the cross, through the blood of Jesus Christ. The old chapter of offering animal sacrifices to atone for our sins, it's over. What did Jesus say when he hung on the cross? He said three words, it is finished. It is finished. It's done. It's complete. The final period of the final sentence of that chapter, done. And a new chapter is now being written. For the disciples, this fresh start came with growing pains as the Jews tried to transition from law to grace. And that was a little difficult at times. It got sticky. 
It came with persecution. It came with spiritual warfare, but it also ushered in great revival and the gospel began spreading like wildfire. And no matter how what the kings did and the people in charge and how much they persecuted, they could not stop the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the church grew stronger and stronger and stronger. No matter the persecution, he was with them. I want to tell you, there would not be a Pentecost. The outpouring of the gift of the Holy Ghost if there had not been Jesus dying on the cross. Your fresh start might begin today with you being filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. In the final chapter of the law, if when that final chapter of the law closed, Jesus tells his disciples, hey, I'm going to give you a special gift. They're eating the Passover feast, and he says, he tells them of the things that are coming. Hey, guys, a chapter's closing, but a new one is opening, and a comforter is going to come, and he's going to give you power. I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to come again. John 14, 16 through 18, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you. I'm right here. And he shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And Jesus did come again to his people in the power and the might of the Holy Ghost. If you haven't received that power it's, it's waiting for you. It's a fresh start that's going to change your life. You can receive it. You will be a new creation. The first verse we read, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. It's become new. So we've talked about the first Passover, and we've talked about the Passover right before Jesus died. Now let's quickly talk about you and I. You cannot start the next chapter of your life if you keep rereading the last one. You can't start the new chapter of your life if you keep rereading the last chapter. God wants you to move beyond that. He wants you to walk forward. Philippians 3, 13 and 14, Paul says, Brethren, I do not count myself to as apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. So as you and I have a fresh start, a fresh opportunity today to embrace the Passover and say, God, you're doing something. You are moving on the face of the earth. Today, I want it to be different. I want you to search me. I, I, I don't want there to be any leaven, any sin in my life. I want the blood of the lamb to cover me. I want to be filled with your spirit. I want to start a new chapter. And for that to happen, we have to, do, we have to walk some things out. The first one, don't believe the lies of the enemy. He's always going to be in your ear trying to discourage you and tell you lies. But his job is to steal, kill, and destroy. So anything he says, don't listen to it because it's a lie. And it's meant to trip you up. 
He tells us things like, it's never going to happen. It's not going to happen for you anyway. Or he says, it's too late to start over. You've done too much. You're too old. People will remember what you did, what you said. But you know what? That's a lie. And God's timetable is different from ours, and it's never too late to begin again. He might tell you, you don't deserve that. You look right back at him and say, yes, I do. Because Jesus already paid the penalty for my sin. Every bad decision I ever made, every sin, every mistake, every dysfunction in my family was covered by the blood of Jesus. And so I'm going to receive it. You're a liar and the father of lies. He might say to you, there's no way any good can come of this mess that you have made or that someone else has made in your life. It doesn't matter what your mess looks like because Jesus redeems it all. You might be in a mess because of what someone else has done to you. But that doesn't mean that your new future can't be beautiful and joyful. If someone abused you or abandoned you or betrayed you or falsely accused you, you can still have a good future. You can get beyond that because God gives beauty for ashes. And he gives hope instead of despair. He gives peace in place of anxiety. And what the enemy meant for evil, God can use it for good in your life. He can take your pain and turn it to power. Every tear you cried, he saw it. He was aware of it. And he knew you still had a future. He knew how he was going to use that for his glory. So we are going to not believe the lies of the enemy. And we're going to ignore the judgment of others. The disciples had a whole lot of criticism and judgment in their lives. A whole lot of people attacking them for trying to live out grace. A whole lot of people saying, why are you getting rid of this tradition? But they were following the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sometimes our harshest critics are those who are closest to us. No one can hurt you as deeply as those you love the most. There have been times, I'm sure, in your life when you've had someone attack you and it, it wounded you so deeply because you thought they loved you so much. Ignore the judgment of others. Job's closest friends thought that he had hidden sin and they judged him for it. They told him, the reason you're in this mess, Job, is because you've sinned somewhere in your life. You need to repent. They had no clue that God was so pleased with Job that this test would prove Job's love for God to the enemy. That was the reason for it. So ignore the judgment of others because they don't know what God is doing in your life. They have not walked in your shoes. They don't know what you've experienced. They don't know the lies that's been told on you. They don't know the betrayals you've gone through. They don't know the dysfunction you've come out of. They weren't there when you were betrayed or abandoned. 
So you're going to ignore the judgment of others, and you're going to choose to fear not. The musicians can come. We're going to choose to fear not, and we're going to rely on God's strength. My flesh may be weak, but my God is not weak. He is forever strong, and he doesn't change. The same strength he had to deliver them from the land of Egypt, he has that same strength still today. In Isaiah 41 and 10, it says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with my right hand of righteousness. God is saying to someone here today, fear not. I'm with you in your future. I'm with you as you walk through this time. It may look different than what you thought it would. Your dreams might not be, it, they'll come to pass, but not, maybe not in the way you thought they would. But fear not. Fear not. So many times in my life, fear has paralyzed me. And I felt so stuck. But you know what I didn't realize is that fear was a choice. I could have said, I refuse this fear and I'm going to trust in the Lord my God. But instead, I looked at my fear and kept looking out the back window and making excuses for why I was stuck. Today, whatever your fear is, look that fear in the face and say, I'm choosing to fear not. Fear makes you feel surrounded by the enemy, but faith makes you realize you're surrounded by God. You're surrounded by the powerful, almighty God, and you're surrounded by the angels who are fighting for you even when it doesn't feel like it, even when it doesn't look like it, even when you're not aware of their presence. Faith says, God is surrounding me. I want you to stand with me today. I love that song that says, you turned mourning to dancing. You give beauty for ashes. You turn shame into glory. And you're the only one who can do that. You turn graves into gardens. You turn bones into armies. You turn seas into highways. And you're the only one that can do that. He can make a river in the desert. Today you can have a fresh start. If you've been in a season of mourning, close the door on that morning, on that season, and get to dancing. If you've been sitting in the ashes of a dead dream, get up and brush those ashes off and say, God, he's going to turn my ashes to beauty. He's going to bring about a testimony. He'll turn your pain into something beautiful. He'll take your shame and turn it to glory. Maybe your dreams were destroyed. You know
know, I believe the lie of the enemy one time that said, all your productive years are behind you. Your ministry is dead. My hope had dissolved into despair. How do I walk forward? And the enemy threw me out and declared that it was over. But God was still at work in the dark soil of my suffering. And the seed fell deeper into the ground. Winter was long, but spring has come. And it's time for a fresh start. I'm coming up out of the ground in a brilliant bloom, a beautiful pink. And I'm a new creation in Christ. The old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. Your hands. This altar is open. If you want a fresh start, if you want to declare today, Lord, at this Passover, I'm closing the door on my past and I'm looking forward to a fresh start, Lord. I'm not going to believe the lies of the enemy. I'm going to ignore the judgment of others, God, and I'm going to choose to fear not, Lord. The enemy is under my feet, God, and your power and your glory surround me. I receive your spirit, Lord, and the power of your blood shed at Calvary to tear down, Lord, anything, Lord Jesus, every chain is broken.
Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Come on, for some of you, you thought you thought you were done. You thought you were finished. You thought God had passed you by. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But he's here to give you a fresh start. He's here to give you new hope. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. God, breathe on our relationships. Breathe, God, on some of our, our job situations, our family needs, God, our finances. God, we trust you. We thank you. We reject fear. We reject the judgment of others. 
We reject the bondage that the enemy tries to put on us, God. We're ready to march forward. We're ready to march into newness of life. And we just thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Rob, Robin shared with you that little story about the, the flower. And I remember throwing it away last year in the fall. And I mean, I just threw it on the ground. We didn't cover it up anything. And then, you know, the leaves came and the pine needles. And then when we saw it, and it's so beautiful right now. And I'll tell you something interesting, and this will happen to you too. And yesterday, Robin told me last night, yesterday Mason was over at our house and he saw the flower too. And you know what a three-year-old wants to do when he sees a flower. So she said he ran over there and he pulled on it. And she said, I mean, he pulled really hard. And apparently that thing has rooted itself pretty deep. Amen. And she told him, stop, don't pull that flower up. I think, I think we're, we're, that thing's really communicating, speaking to us right now. But you know what? The enemy will come right along, even with your fresh start. Because tell me, you're not the only one that notices what God is doing. And he'll come along, and he's going to try to pull that thing up. And you know what you need to do? You just need to say, I'm planted. I'm rooted. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Come on. Don't let anybody take away from you what God's trying to do in your life. Come on, quit listening to the naysayers. Quit listening to the skeptics, amen? Come on, outlive your critics. Father, we thank you today, Lord. We thank you for new hope. We thank you for a fresh start. We thank you, God, for your love and your mercy and your grace that is new every morning. I pray that you would go with us and give us your strength, give us your anointing, give us your favor. We ask it in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. I want to invite you to please be with us next week. Invite some guests. Let's fill this place up, both services, for Easter Resurrection Sunday. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Great to see you today in the house of the Lord. Amen.